Hello and welcome back to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Now, in this episode, we're going to preview the GTLM class for this weekend's Rolex 24 at Daytona. Um, for those who haven't listened to some of our previous episodes about the DPI class and the LMP2 class, I have some very exciting news. I am off to go and take part uh, in the media centre uh, at the Rolex 24 and be there right amongst the actions in the pit and the paddock watching everything that's going along and hopefully get to speak to a number of drivers throughout the race. Very, very luckily, uh, I've managed to set up a number of interviews prior to the race while I'm over there as well, which I can't wait to, to share with you uh, as well. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about the GTLM class, which I must say is my favourite class in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Now, the GTLM class is a completely professional class. All big car manufacturers with their factory drivers going to win uh, at the biggest races in the world. Daytona, Sebring, Le Mans, you name it, the GTLM cars go to it. Um, in the GTLM class, you have basically, it's a GT class, so the cars are based on street street legal cars. So you're, um, you have the Porsche 911, you have the Ferrari 488, you have the Chevrolet Corvette, and you have the BMW M8. So that's basically the basis for the car, but of course the end race car is obviously completely different and completely modified as well. So these are proper full factory developed GT cars with full factory drivers driving them. And the the competition is so close that no matter how long the race, the cars are almost glued together for the, for the remainder uh, of the race. And so many times do we see um, a 24 hour race going down to the last lap in the GTLM uh, class. You know, in the 2018 race uh, at the Rolex 24 at Daytona, we basically saw the two Ford GTs running in flying formation for 24 hours. It's quite, quite uh, extraordinary. Um, in 2015, when we saw Corvette win, they were, they were chased right to the line um, by their competitors as well. So it's a really, really uh, exciting uh, class. Now, one of the reasons why it's so exciting and why the races is so close is because the cars are very cleverly balanced to ensure parity and performance. Because, of course, a Ferrari 488 uh, against a BMW M8, um, one is a you know a purpose-built supercar and one is basically a luxury GT car. They're two completely different. The base road cars are completely different. When you throw in there as well uh, a Chevrolet Corvette and uh, a Porsche 911, it mixes up everything uh, completely. You know, so the BMW, the BMW is using a V8 twin turbo, and it's a very, very big car. It's a physically big car. The Corvette um, previously used to be a front-engine car, but for the very first time this year will be a mid-engined um, 5.5-litre flat-plane crank V8. The Porsche uh, is a flat six, again, 
coming to the championship with the addition of turbochargers this year and the ferrari is also a twin turbo v8 as well so there's lots of different configurations um to the cars so what the, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship organisers do is they apply something called balance of performance. Now, we talk about balance of performance a lot on the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast, particularly when talking about sports car racing because it is intertwined with um, the sporting regulations of any sports car championship now because what the balance of performance... There are positives and, uh, positives and negatives to it. The positives are is that Basically, any manufacturer with a car that's relatively suitable to a category can enter and can be basically balanced to be able to compete um, for the wins, therefore adding to the number of cars involved and therefore adding to the number of potential manufacturers who can come in uh, and get involved and have a go. Where it's been most successful uh, has been in the global GT3 category, which is slightly different to GTLM, but 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 not too different really. Um, the GT3 class, you have nearly, I think, something like twenty different types of GT3 car that you could buy and conceivably go out and win uh, a, a global sports car race in. So balance of performance does have its benefits. However, negatives are is that it is actually sometimes difficult to ensure that parity and sometimes some cars can gain an unnecessary advantage by a balanced performance adjustment and some can gain a very much uh, unnecessary disadvantage. It also opens up the possibility that for example at the recent roar before the 24 test um, uh, at the beginning of January this is where the organisers will look at the performance of the cars and if they think one is too slow, they will give them a little, maybe a, give them a little bit less weight or a little bit of extra fuel or a little bit of extra boost or whatever it might be. Or if they're too fast, they'll do the opposite. However, some cars in the past have blatantly um, gone to the test and run deliberately slowly and are not shown what their true pace is. And the idea is, is that then the organisers will go, oh, that car's a bit slow, we'll give them a little bit of a leg up, and then the race comes round, and all of a sudden they turn on their real pace, and they disappear into the distance. It has happened before, and it really does um, it really does cause a little bit of uh, uh, controversy, shall we say, within the sport. It's also, my personal view on it, is one that a lot of the time isn't mentioned, is the effect it has on the drivers. You know, if you're a, if you're a big quality driver, which in GTLM you will be, a plat usually a platinum-rated driver, in GTLM, if you go and you win a race, often you, it's almost like your your race win is asterisked by, oh, well, that car had a better balance of performance than the rest of the field. It's really, really, it must be really, really annoying for the drivers, both when they win and it, it, it can, they're, 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 they might have performed better than all of their competitors, but um, the, the result is basically caveated by them having a better balance of performance adjustment in their car. Likewise, they can also, again, perform better than all of their competitors and finish nowhere near the lead of the race because their car is so strangled by the balance of performance. And that's why the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship organisers have such a task on their hands to ensure that balance of performance is as closely paired as possible. And I must say, IMSA are one of the very best to ensuring that that is the case. So what we'll talk about uh, is now is the lineups uh, in each car and just talk to you about the sheer quality uh, of field. There's been a lot of talk 
in the run-up to the Rolex 24 at Daytona about the, the entry entry being down, there's less cars being involved. Of course, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and, and of course this year we don't have the Ford GTs, we've got a couple of less cars in, in the field and everyone's all doom and gloom, but really when you look we're just going to run you through brief cvs of each of the drivers in the gtlm class it's only a, it's only a class you know there's one ferrari two porsches two corvettes and two bmws so it's a relatively small class but packed full of high quality drivers so we shall talk about those for you now we'll start with the corvettes because corvette racing have been real stalwarts of global endurance racing for well 20 years now and this year um they are coming to the season with a brand new car with the first ever mid-engine corvette which is oh, terrible um those real corvette purists are used to having a big huge engine out front uh, in the front of the car but for the very first time this year the brand new corvette c8r will come to the grid with the engine behind the driver rather than in front. Now, Corvette Racing, their CV and their number of wins in all the biggest sports car races in the world, Le Mans, Daytona, Sebring, is just uh, extraordinary. And they come to the grid with a relatively similar lineup to last year, but there have been one or two really interesting changes. But the biggest change is that Jan Magnussen, the very talented Danish driver, will not be with Corvette Racing this year. Um, he left the team at the end uh, of, of last year um, to make way for Jordan Taylor. Um, and, you know, Jan's been with the team for nearly 20 years, won all the biggest races with them, uh, and was very much part of the furniture at Corvette Racing. So it's going to be really strange to not see Jan Magnussen line up beside Antonio Garcia. So why have Corvette Racing made the choice to put Jordan Taylor in that car. Uh, well, <laughs> when you look at when you look at Jordan's CV for a guy um, for a guy who's not even reached his thirtieth birthday yet, uh, his uh, his sports car racing CV is absolutely uh, incredible. He's won the Rolex Twenty Four twice outright. He won it in twenty seventeen um, with his brother Ricky, uh, with Max Angelelli and Jeff Gordon, um, NASCAR legend, and he won it last year with um, Kamui Kobayashi, Renger van der Zander, and Fernando Alonso. So he's got an amazing past at the Rolex 24, winning it outright on two uh, occasions. He first raced at Le Mans in 2012 at the age of 21. His first Rolex 24 was at the age of 16. He won the Grand Am Championship in 2013 at the age of 22. Absolutely exceptional. In 2017... They won the first five races of the season, of course, including Daytona uh, and Sebring. Um, he's won Petit Le Mans. He won one at Le Mans in 2015 uh, in GTE Pro with Corvette. So he is not a stranger to the Corvette, um, the Corvette team. He ran in the endurance races with Corvette Racing um, um, a number of years ago. Uh, so it's coming a little bit of familiar territory for um, for Jordan, but he's got all of the credentials um, to go uh, and, and add to his glittering CV. Uh, his father, Wayne, uh, who he used to drive for, the owner of Wayne Taylor Racing, um, has clearly handed over a lot of, a lot of uh, 
advice and wisdom to, to, to young Jordan. He will be joined by Antonio Garcia, and Jordan Taylor has often said um, that, you know, when he used to drive with Antonio Garcia, he was the one who impressed him the most in the whole Corvette racing setup. And Jordan will be driving the full EMSA season with Antonio Garcia. Um, often referred to as the King of Spain, he's a three-time Le Mans winner. He won it in 2008 with Aston Martin, 2009 with Corvette, and 2011 with Corvette. Won the American Le Mans series in 2013. He's a double double IMSA GTLM champion, uh, and he's won the Sebring 12 Hours on three occasions. He's also won the Rolex 24 twice in 2009 with the Brumos team um, uh, in a Riley Porsche, and in 2015 with Jan Magnussen in a Corvette. So Antonio Garcia got to be one of the most experienced and successful drivers in the entire field for the Rolex 24. Now, interestingly, they will be joined by Nicky Katzberg, who will join the, um, the the number three car for the endurance races with Corvette in 2020. Now, Nicky Katzberg has previously been a, a BMW man. Uh, he finished. Uh, he's finished second at the Daytona 24 Hour, the Spa 24 Hour, and the Nurburgring 24 Hour. Um, so he will be desperate um, to go and win some of these endurance races, uh, including Le Mans in 2020. Now, in testing, um, the new CAR, now it's a brand new car. Now, the previous model, the C7, of course, had run for a number of seasons, and therefore the reliability of that car was absolutely solid um, for, the, for most of its life. Now, always coming to a, a 24-hour race, brand new, brand new car, CAR, in a 24-hour race, that will be a slight question mark over the head of the Corvette team, but they ran 341 laps uh, between their two cars with the new CAR um, during the roar, which is about half a race distance. So not too bad at all. And they've been doing a lot of private testing in the background as well. Also, when you consider their ability as a team and their credentials, it also puts these uh, concerns slightly to rest. Now, in the sister car, the lineup is no less impressive. The number four Corvette racing car. Leading that car will be Oliver Gavin, the Briton. Um, now, Ollie Gavin has been in with Corvette since 2002, and his CV is absolutely exceptional. He's only won Daytona 24-hour once uh, in 2016, um, um, but that was the year when he won the 2016 GTLM Championship, where they did the Daytona and Sebring double. But when you look at his record in some of the biggest races, he's won the Sebring 12 hours in 2001, 2002, 2006, 2007, 2013, and 2016. Absolutely exceptional. Six Sebring wins. He's won Petit Le Mans twice. He won the 2011, 2007 sorry, Asian, uh, sorry, American Le Mans Series champion, winning nine out of 12 races. He's won Le Mans in 2002, 2004, 2005, 2006, and 2015. He's won the American Le Mans series four times uh, and has finished on the podium in the Bathurst 1000 as a co-driver as well. So, Ollie Gavin, you, again, when you look at the people saying, oh, the entry's down and blah, 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 
when you've got people of that quality, um, that just that just adds to the spectacle so much. I think he will be joined by uh, his long-standing co-driver Tommy Milner, um, who is also you know 2012 um, American Le Mans Series champion, 2016 GT Le Mans champion, won Le Mans twice, um, and he's won the Rolex 24 once as well. So a very very accomplished driver. Again, for the endurance championship races, they will be joined by Marcel Fasler, um, who won Le Mans outright in two thousand uh, on three separate occasions um, with Andre uh, Andre Lotterer in the Audi. He's also won the Nurburgring twenty four hour, uh, and he's won the Daytona twenty four hour, and he's won the Sebring twelve hour. Uh, uh, twice as well and was the 2012 World Endurance Champion so Marcel Fasler again he's won everything you want to win Le Mans, Nürburgring, Daytona, Sebring he's done He's done the lot so I have to say Corvette Racing as a team as a two car effort their their driver lineup is pretty much the strongest in the entire field in any in any class when you just look at pure results which is all you can really take a, you know everybody has their favourite driver everybody has the drivers that they like but when you just look at the sheer results and the sheer depth and time uh, at the top of the sport it, it tells a big big story and if this C Corvette CAR is a fast car well we could be seeing another um, another period of, of Corvette dominance okay next let's talk about Porsche now Porsche in 2019 had an absolute dreamland of a season um, winning pretty much everything that they would ever dream uh, of winning uh, in IMSA they were the GTLM champions they won at Sebring um, they won all across the board they won at Watkins Glen they won everywhere um, the 911 car um, will have a slightly different look this year. Last year, um, led by Nick Tandy and Patrick Peely, but Patrick Peely is moving down to the GTD class uh, with the Park Place Porsche team. So this year, the 911 Porsche, they'll be going also another team with a brand new car. Um, up for many years, the Porsche 911 RSR has had the most beautiful sounding flat six normally aspirated engine with the most beautiful gorgeous high revving sound that will all change this year it's a the same the same well, a few changes here and there in the car but the engine is the biggest difference they're now coming with a turbocharged engine which um having listened to it it's been a, been running since september in the world endurance championship and it has a completely different sound altogether however in the World Endurance Championship, it has been remarkably successful so far. So they've got a little bit, although the car is new to IMSA, uh, it does have a little bit of running record, um, unlike the Corvette. So that's a, a bit of an advantage for, for Porsche. Now, in the 911, we have, we have Nick Tandy, um, the winner of Le Mans uh, in 2015, alongside Earl Bamber and Nico Hulkenberg, um, which was effectively a, a guest car uh, at, at, at the time, but went to win it outright um he's won petit le mans on three occasions he's won the nurburgring 24 hour he was a 2011 uh, sorry 2007 formula ford festival winner he's a double sebring winner and the watkins Glen winner as well and won the rolex 24 in 2014 so not an awful lot missing on mr tandy's uh cv really nice guy nick tandy um british guy who started off uh in effectively in banger racing in oval racing grassroots oval racing in the uk and worked his way up all the way through the ranks 
to become a fully-fledged Porsche factory driver. Now, he will be joined for the remate, for, for the whole season by Frederick Makavecki, um, um, who won uh, Sebring with uh, Nick Tandy and Patrick Pele last year. Um, Frederick Makavecki had a lot of success in the Japanese Super GT series, uh, winning races um, in 2013, 2014 and 2019. Um, as I say, he's won Sebring a couple of times, he's won the Nürburgring 24 hour, and quite cool, raced in the old Ford GT1 car with Mark VDS as well, which is really cool. So the old Ford GT of the early 2000s, um, he raced in the, the, the it was very, very rare, um, only one or two of these cars were built to go racing, Ford GT, GT1 car, um, and he was one of the guys who was involved with that. Their driver um, who will join them in the endurance races will be Matt Campbell. Now, Matt Campbell had an, a real breakthrough season in 2019 as a Porsche driver. If you've not heard of Matt Campbell, type into YouTube, Matt Campbell Bathurst 12 hour 2019. And what will unlikely, <laughs> will absolutely undoubtedly come up uh, is uh, the video of the last lap of the Bathurst 12 hour um, last year. And overtaking manoeuvre that Matt Campbell pulled off during that race coming down the hill over the mountain at Mount Panorama at Bathurst is one of the most exceptional pieces of driving I've ever seen so if you're not aware of Matt Campbell um, put that into YouTube have a watch uh, and, and you'll see exactly what I mean um, Matt Campbell won his class at Le Mans uh, in GTE Am in 2018 won the 2019 Bathurst 12 hour with, with El Bramber Motorsport uh, and also won the Bathurst 12 hour again in 2017. So has real credentials and he's really up and coming. And entering in with the Porsche factory team in IMSA this year, who knows, he might be able to add a Rolex 24 to that very quickly growing CV as well. Now, in the 912 Porsche car, we're going to have the familiar pairing of Banthor, El Bamber and Lawrence Vantor, who were last year's champions in GTLM and were just absolutely fantastic all season long. One of their absolute standout races was at Long Beach um, earlier in the season when uh, El Bamber managed to limp the car home for the win with the rear splitter completely broken um, from the car. Um, again, Pop onto IMSA's wonderful YouTube channel and watch that race back. It's just non-stop action for an hour and 40 minutes. And both El Bamber and Lawrence Vantor drove beautifully uh, in that race to win that race and then go on to win the title. Now, El Bamber, just 29 years old. You think of El Bamber as this really experienced driver, but still only 29. Kiwi, he's won Le Mans outright twice in 2015 and 2017. An IMSA champion now, um, a double um, Bathurst 12-hour class winner. He was the World Endurance Champion in 2017. And he's the winner of four Porsche championships as well, including the Super Cup in 2014. So he really knows his way around um, a Porsche racing car. He'll be joined by uh, his buddy, Lawrence Vantor, the 28-year-old Belgian, which is he's regarded as one of the fastest sports car racers in the world. Um, winner of the 2018 GTE Pro Le Mans uh, category in the Pink Pig Porsche uh, as well. Very cool car there. Um, IMSA champion last year and won the 2016 Macau uh, GT class despite having a massive crash uh, in qualifying. He's won the Spa 24, he's won the Nürburgring 24 
uh, and has had some great success in the Blanc Pan Endurance Championships as well. Former factory Audi driver and now factory Porsche driver. But the one thing that is missing of both Earl Bamber and Lawrence Van Tours CV is virtually the only thing missing is a Rolex 24 class win and they will be desperate to win on their first time out in their brand new Porsche 911 RSR Turbo. Their third driver for the um, endurance races will be Matteo Giamini, the 25-year-old Frenchman who won the Kailami 9 Hours, the revived Kailami 9 Hours in 2019, uh, and also raced for El Barmber's team uh, at the Bathurst 12 Hours in 2019. A factory Porsche driver and very, very strong uh, indeed. Now, let's talk about the BMWs, because the BMWs, both in um, the World Endurance Championship and in IMSA, have had some really difficult times over the last couple of years. However, what has often gone, uh, because they haven't had the results for, for quite some time, it, they've often gone, they've been forgotten about, and, and, and uh, actually, they are the defending GTLM champions at the Rolex 24. In the monsoon conditions of last year's Rolex 24, they managed to come out and win uh, the GTLM class. Um, so they know how to get it done and they've got some great driver lineups. And I think it's time that BMW team RLL step up uh, and get the chance to come uh, and fight for the wins alongside the Ferraris, the Porsches and the Corvette. And the cool thing is, is that BMW have a car, they know the car, they've developed the car over the last couple of years, they've got no surprises, unlike Corvette and Porsche, they're not coming with a new car. They know it well, and they've got the they've got the same lineup of drivers as well. So there's no reason why BMW couldn't repeat their success uh, of of last year. So in their number twenty four car, they will have John Edwards, um, the two thousand and nine Formula Atlantic champion. They'll have Jesse Crone, um, another guy who's had the joy of driving for GT or the old Ford GT GT three car. They will have Augusto Farfus, um, who was one of the guys in the winning car last year in 2019 uh, at the Rolex 24. He's a long-standing BMW factory driver, winner of the Nürburgring 24 Hours and uh, winner of the Macau GT, GT race as well. Now, very exciting-wise, they have Chaz Moster as well, the Australian. So Chaz Moster is a very prolific V8 supercar driver from Australia um, who has won the prestigious Bathurst 1000 race, which he won in 2014 from the back of the grid. Now, although it's a long race, the Bathurst 1000, to win from the back of the grid is really, really, really impressive. Chaz is a super quick driver. Um, he will be driving for Andretti Walkinshaw in the upcoming um, supercar season. Didn't have such a good season last year uh, in the Ford Mustang um, with, um, with Tickford Racing, but he's super quick and knows the BMW team well, he's competed with them for a while, so watch out for him in that number 24 car. The other BMW, the number 25, um, has uh, Conor DiFilippi, um, who was one of the winners from last year as well. Um, he's had a really good career in IMSA, um, former um, Team USA scholarship uh, driver as well. He won uh, the GTD class at Petit Le Mans in 2017. Uh, he also, in that same year, he won um, the Nürburgring 24 uh, in the SP9 class as well. Uh, and, of course, a Rolex uh, winner. Bruno Spengler, um, who has a little bit of a, a love-hate relationship with uh, the Rolex 24. Bruno Spengler was in uh, the 25 BMW uh, in the Rolex 24 uh, in 2015 
and was leading the race and so, so, so close um, to winning, but had a little incident at the bus stop corner, which often catches a lot of drivers out, particularly nearing the end of the race, uh, and ended up removing a lot of bodywork from the back of the car. Uh, and um, sadly, um, that just held them back and they lost the race by a very, very small margin. Without that incident, they undoubtedly would have won in the then Z4 GTLM car he's raced uh, he was the um, dtm champion in 2012 and raced in the dtm for 15 years but this year he was he's leaving the dtm and focusing a hundred percent on the imza weathertech sports car championship they will also be joined by uh for the endurance races by colton herta um a two times race winner in indycar in his debut season in 2019 and of course a rolex 24 class winner from last year with bmw as well so a very young man with a very impressive cv uh, already and completing that lineup will be philip eng um who a double winner of the spa 24 hour uh, and uh, a Nürburgring 24-hour class winner as well, and four times a race winner in the Formula 2 um, class as well, and a Rolex 24-hour winner too. So BMW have a very strong lineup, and they have all they have a group of guys who know how to get that car over the line to win that coveted Rolex watch. Finally, we have the number 62. Ferrari, the Rizzi Competizione Ferrari. Now, the Ferrari entry is slightly different than the others in this class because the BMW, the Corvette and the Porsche, those are all factory-backed programs, so they're funded. There is there is finance coming from those uh, manufacturers to run those programs, to pay the drivers, to build the cars, all those sorts of things. They might have a team running the, running the program for them, like a Pratt & Miller with Corvette, um, a core autosport with Porsche or a Rahal Letterman Lanigan with BMW but Ferrari is different it's the Ferrari entry is effectively a private entry um, from a, a team called Risi Competizione which have a wonderful heritage of racing in America uh, they're effectively a, a Ferrari dealer team or a Ferrari importer team uh, and have very very little support from the Ferrari factory uh, itself but have had some incredible success uh, recently as well. What they do have is they do have a full factory lineup of Ferrari factory drivers. So there is a little bit, a bit of support on that hand, having the access to Ferrari's crack team of factory sports car drivers. So the team will be led by James Collard. Now, as far as we are aware, this uh, will be a Daytona entry only to begin with. They may go to, uh, I suspect if they do well at Daytona, we might see them at Sebring and we might see them at Petit, Petit Le Mans. But as far as I'm aware, this is not a full season entry. This is very much a one-off go at the Rolex 24. So they'll be led by James Collado, um, who was second last year uh, at the Rolex 24, narrowly missing out. He's now a double Petit Le Mans winner. They won the Petit Le Mans back in October, so they will be coming off, uh, they will have that winning feeling in the car heading into the Rolex 24. They are the guys that also won Le Mans last year as well. Ferrari, uh, num uh, the Ferrari works car, won the Le Mans 24 Hours GTE class uh, as well. James is also a, a GP2 race winner as well and racing very successfully with um, the Panasonic Jaguar team in Formula E at the moment as well. They will also have Daniel Serra, uh, the triple Brazilian stock car champion. 
double Petite Le Mans winner and double Le Mans GTE Pro winner as well. They have Alessandro Puerguidi, um, last year's Petit Le Mans winner. Um, he's, he's the only guy in the car to have won uh, his class in the Rolex 24, which he did in 2014 with Level 5 Motorsport, which we mentioned a little bit earlier on. And completing the lineup will be Davide Rigon, the, 20, the 33-year-old Italian and the four-time Golf 12-hour champion, double Super League Formula champion, but no Rolex 24s to his name. So those Ferrari guys having come close so close last year, they're gonna have a strong car like they always do. Um and to be honest, trying to make a trying to make make a prediction of who's gonna win the GTLM class at the Rolex twenty four is so so tricky. Um there every car is packed with quality drivers. There's no gaps. Um you can't say that one one car has a weak lineup because they don't. I would say that Corvette has got the most loaded lineup in terms of results, but there's a lot of very, very fast drivers in all the other cars. And if you're tuning into the race, the GTLM class is one to keep your eye on all the way through because most cars, um, without if as long as the cars don't have any big mechanical problems, most of the time, all the cars will remain on the lead lap throughout the whole race, which makes it so exciting and so unpredictable. And of course, at the Rolex 24, we have there's quite a unique rule because the Rolex 24 they have what's called a wave around. So when the the if there's an incident on the track and they have to control the field with what's called a full course yellow, where the field is slowed down and put behind the safety car, what they do is is in order to get the cars back in line because you've got four classes racing all at once. They have to basically let some cars pass around the safety car to get up back behind the class leader. And of course, having that pass around can allow them to get one lap back on the leader. Now, the idea I I I, I sort of sit on the fence with this one because to me it gives it, it does give a bit of an un it, it's a bit unfair to the car that's made that's worked really hard to get into the lead. However, it does really add to the entertainment and make sure that the the race usually goes to the very end um however the other problem i have with it is is that the whole point of a safety car is is that you control the field and allowing cars to pass around and to drive around the circuit uncontrolled personally i think defeats the point of calling a safety car in the first place uh, and does open a small um safety risk as well but that is the rules that they run to so with all that involved there is never really anyone who's out of the gtlm fight so do keep an eye for it out for it if you're going to be watching the race over the weekend so that's the gtlm class um i hope you enjoyed hearing about some of the runners and riders uh in this class it's going to be absolutely fantastic to watch um you can watch it on uh, imza.tv uh, or you can watch it on imza's fantastic youtube channel uh, as well and finally you can watch it on radiolemon.com as well who usually have uh, a good live stream and radio commentary as well of the race and i will try and keep you updated throughout the night through the race um via our social media channels which uh, are instagram at peter mckay motorsport twitter at mckay podcast and facebook the peter mckay motorsport podcast so do check those out over the race weekend Thanks very much for listening and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.